November 11, 2018. It's a lot from Pedro Show.
for Pedro Show. Happy Sunday. Brother Matt, unavailable today, but he will be back Thursday. He did two in a row last week, people. So Brother Matt's finding his groove back and stuff. Uh, and me too with my hand. I don't know if I talked about this, but on August uh, 5th, I woke up and uh, yeah, I couldn't use my starboard hand. And about nine weeks it took before it came back. A lot of working on it and stuff. And then I got stabbed in the finger with one of the strings with <laughs> guitars, and it infected it. But then I got that going. So last night when I played with Joe Bison and Brian Christopherson, it was the first time since the summer where I, I did okay. 
It's coming back, man. I'm so, so grateful. Uh, we started the show with Mr. PC, John Coltrane Live, Stockholm, 1963. Now, of course, Mr. PC, Mr. Paul Chambers, incredible bass band. And then our guest, because I'm not all man alone here, my Pedro Pat, uh, and besides all the smoke from the fires, I got via the incredible engineers from Estonia with their Skype software, Frederick Kinboom. Fred, welcome again on hello, the show. Hello, hello, Mike. Yeah. Uh, oh, now, last time we talked... Me. Oh, what's that? I'm sorry. Uh, thanks for having me, I just said. Oh, of course. Again. It's a bit crackly, but... Uh, yeah. Again, right? Because, uh, yes. let's see, the last record was the one with the airplane on the chest. And yeah, the Kimbo McKessner stuff. Yeah, I think it's maybe a year and a half ago. We were, I was lost. Yeah, well, that's where I want to pick up, though, because uh, when we were speaking about that, it was kind of your whole journey through music and stuff, and uh, we've got that done. So let's talk about starting from that point there, after that record came out. You went and did some gigs, right, toward it? Yeah, exactly. We did some stuff with that, and then I had sort of put my solo project with the lap steel, which I now I'm back into a bit on the back burner because I thought it was really great to play as a sideman with other people, do Kimbo McKessner collaboration project and sort of take a little break from the thing, the me, me, me thing. Sure, sure. And, um, but then uh, after doing two records with Kimbo McKessner and playing, uh, touring with other artists, I, um, a friend asked me, he's like, oh, are you going to do another solo album? And I thought, oh, maybe I should, you know, maybe now it's like I felt like I was going around the block and was back at square one and sort of felt fresh and exciting again about that. So that's pretty much what happened, pretty much when we last spoke, I think. I just yeah. got into that after yeah, last summer. Right, it was Sly, which you've been doing a long time, but you also brought in this uh, keyboard, old time. Yeah, exactly, the harmonium or pump organ, exactly. Because yeah, so right. I, I had bought one of those a couple of months before, like a really old like 110-year-old German harmonium pump organ, beautiful thing that have been standing like in a, in a home for nuns in Berlin for 100 years and then I ended up in some old them, people's uh, home. And then, yeah. I think we call a home for nuns Sorry? a cloister. Yeah, exactly. I was wondering because, yeah, cloister, exactly. That's, uh, that's it. <laughs> Trippy word. But it was more like a little, little urban sort of tiny version. That it, it yeah, like have you ever been to Manhattan? You've been organ, to yeah. Manhattan, right? New York City. Yeah. Well, there's a place by the George Washington Bridge, a little north of there, called the Cloisters. And mm -hmm. I think it used to be some kind of, or maybe it was for men, <laughs> but uh, monastery yeah. kind of thing. So you found this at, yeah. at a cloister. Uh, yeah, but you think a, it was we, still I, being was guy, played? The guy that, so I, I got it from a guy who, who had got it from there, pretty much. Oh, so okay, okay. Because I so was wondering, was it still was being in, played by yeah. those nuns in the cloister? It has been, yeah, for like a hundred years. And then it ended up in an old people's home where this guy's mother was. And they gave it to her and then she passed away and he, he needed to clear some space. And I got it for 80 euros. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, well, it sounds amazing. Is you know, this old pump, pump organ, I think you say in America, more here to say more harmonium is this terminology thing. But Yeah, I, um, they're, they're called about the same thing. The thing is, you got to make your own power there's no uh listeners out there you can't plug this thing in there's no fan you know uh you have to actually be operating it uh the bellows 
while you're playing it. Exactly, you're pumping it with your feet, yeah. And it's uh, and this was quite funny because when I got this one, I had n- absolutely no knowledge about these things, and it, it turned out it was like really on its last breaths, so to speak. You know, so two months after that, one one of the pedals stopped working, but I actually did some recordings of this sort of out of breath swells that were pretty cool that you wouldn't have got if it was in full functioning order but then i had a great guy here in berlin i found like an organ organ builder who repaired it for me and then all of a sudden it was twice as loud and was working fine so that's why i was asking you fred if it was being used because it's probably got a lot of leather parts yeah exactly and the guy came over here and fixed it actually it was amazing because he took the whole thing apart basically here in my home and uh-huh. uh, come with like leather strips that he cut to size and like book binders glue and just got everything together and put it back together again and I had to wait like a few hours to, for it to dry and then it was up and running like yeah sounding better than it has in decades I'm yeah sure. because if it was just sitting there I would think the leather get all cracky and crumbly and so sometimes you know instruments my experience is, I don't know about so much 100 years old and stuff, but if they ain't played, they go to hell faster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? If they're just sitting. And that goes for almost any of them, it seems. Even cars, too. You ain't driving them, they go to hell. You got to keep yeah, them exactly out. exactly, I know some people keep their guitars in the cases and stuff, and I don't know about that. So, yeah. uh, you had learned how to play. You said you didn't know anything about harmoniums, pump organs. But you had some keyboard knowledge. Yeah, exactly. I have basic piano skills. Basically, taught myself to play piano when I was a teenager, and um, can sort of play piano for writing my own songs. And you know, I wouldn't go and say hire me as a pianist, but I can I can play piano and write on the piano and so on. So, um, but the thing with these things is very different. You know, the the keyboard <coughs> layout's different, right? Yeah, it's kind of it's the same. But it's like you know you have to keep pumping, and as long as soon as you let go of the keys, it just the note ends. Whereas a piano, you have sustained pedals and stuff, so it's a little bit backwards in how it works dynamically. But once you get into it, it's like uh, I think I basically use them a lot for textures and drones and things like that, and I think they sound great. I ended up actually getting three of them before the album was finished. Um, so they got black, uh, they got black flat keys, and then uh, sharp. Yeah, exactly. How many octaves? Five octaves, yeah. And the bass notes are really the amazing thing with these things. It's really fat uh, bass. Yeah, yeah, I can tell by the album, the uh, listening to the album, the big, thick tones that are really uh, special and neat to that kind of thing. You can tell they're not electronically made, you know? They're trippy sounds. Yeah, that's the, it. yeah. it's a very physical thing because it's all like the hissing, the breathing, and uh-huh. the, sort of the air pumping through the reeds, you know, it's... Uh, very, very, very analog. Also, you hear little knocks and clicks. <coughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's lots of squeaks and yeah, lots of which I think add to. The, I recorded it always with like with two microphones and stereo, sometimes three mics, and I really like to get those squeaks and cracks, uh, crackles, and and those noises too. Is it heavy? It really sounds like oh, yeah. Is it heavy? Is it hard to move around? Could you see yourself doing gigs with this shit? Yeah, that's the thing. I actually found a solution for that because this one was quite, I mean, you wouldn't want to move that around even though it can be done. Um, but I did some research and I found a, like a portable field organ that's actually a U.S. Army organ from the Second World War, <laughs> um, which is quite amazing. It, it must have come to Germany with with the American army in the sure. war, you know, fight, fight, fighting the Nazis. And um, that folds up and it's like, 
31 kilos heavy and has a handle on it and I got I used it on a tour actually playing in another band wow 30, uh, 31 uh, kilos uh, listeners is like <coughs> 66 pounds so that's <laughs> that's yeah portable it's like relatively portable <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. and also got a flight case for it and then of course it's even heavier and bigger so <laughs> it's like uh, it's a little bit I, I wouldn't uh, you know you need you need a car with a decent sized car for, for it and that's uh, but it's a touring. I mean, sometimes it's nice when you do solo things to just be able to get on a train and do a gig. Uh, that's not possible with this. Uh, yeah, but uh, th- so this might sound ridiculous, but what about the idea of like sampling every note and putting a synth? Yeah, I was thinking of that actually before I found this smaller one. Um, but I think that the charm of the sounds is so much the. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That to push I the just... air through, you know, and to be able to control the dynamics with your feet, you know, and sort of come from a quiet note to a louder one. Right, and, right. And, and all hard that, to yeah. Do. Maybe. It could probably be done, but it would feel more like a compromise, I think. Yeah, of course. Um, you know. I'm just thinking about a five-pound <laughs> electronic <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or eight pounds, something like that. Uh, I know I have the same dilemma with my second man. Uh, Pizzo's using this 1963 B3, you know, 200, oh, yeah. 240 pounds. And, you know, it's chopped with legs. But we go and get this uh, Italian uh, Krumar Mojo. It's 38 pounds. <laughs> now, it doesn't, yeah. you're right. It is a compromise. But Jesus Christ. I mean, he's a longshoreman. He's a strong guy, but he's getting in his 50s. <laughs> uh, let, I want to play here this uh, Manborg's Lament. Is Manborg a town? No, it's a dude's name. No, that's actually, that's actually the harmonium. That's the first one I got. It's called Manborg. It, it was like a... Ah, that's Swedish the builder, party. like, yeah. or the brand. It's the builder. And, and, and that song was very much just like exploring the instrument a little bit and then adding some lap steel whacked with a brush and stuff. So like yeah. uh, this album in a way is you finding out by doing. Yeah, it was very much, I, I approached it also in a way which I haven't done before that I, I wrote one song, you know, did a little demo for it and when I was happy with it I recorded it and really sort of searched in those harmoniums because I, I got three here now and I used about five different lap steels on the album to find the right sounds. And then when I felt happy with one track, I moved on to the next one. So that was sort of how I, how I made Okay. This well, let's, this is the signature tune then for the fucking harmonium. Yeah. Manberg's Lament.
It's been some really wicked music tonight. It's been awesome. Experimental shit, fucking euphoric shit. Awesome fucking stoner jazz, man. I was feeling that. Thank you. 
Thank you. 
my faith in stagnant time, take my birth in ancient rhyme, hold the place in love divine, true to the test of time, tried and blue, in fact blue too. My faith must last through time, my body sure won't do as well. Beat to hell and lost a battle, one last one for my friend, nothing to a strong faith too. We are all facing the same thing. My friend's time has come. I have all my strength for him. I will carry through to mine. I believe that the afterlife has neither reward or punishment. Let me go where I can, to run like the sand at the beach, to roar like the ocean at you, to softly settle in like the sun. Let me be the pine trees by the road, that by something for all of my life, let that mean something, all mean something. So much in our friendship alone. My friend has a little empire and such a life it is so unfair to lose such a great man. Let us live on in legend after giving what we can.
For Pedro Show, we uh, from Fred's new record, Manberg's Lament. Then we had Stillhouse Plants. Thanks, Jack. And by the way, uh, you know they invited me to come in February to Cafe Odo in uh, London, but that fell through. So I think I'm gonna wait till May or June to go to England. I record with uh, an album of Tripper and do the Chinwag with Chris up in Leeds. But uh, yeah, interesting band. Great cats. Uh, Dances Five from Tony Parks. D'Antony, I'm sorry, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Incredible uh, drummer, man. Dietrich and Barnes, Mummers. That's John Dietrich from uh, Deerhoof. Jeremy Barnes uh, doing their New Mexico. It's a righteous new record they got. Healers out of Illinois with uh, French Vanilla. Bullets of Balloon from Afghanistan, Dum Da Dum. Kunyet Sepechi, that's a Turkish guy doing um, Debrely Hassan and uh, Jeremy Barnes turned me on to beautiful music. Uh, Joe Brewer, Ann Arbor, no, Madison, sorry, <laughs> next door. Wash My Face in Stagnant Time. King Champion sounds brand new from Holland with Mirror, the Soul for Laurie Spiegel. Shumsky out. 
So I grab Yednoga Dana. By the way, in uh, January, I'm going to have four different shows. Uh, Shumsky, VEC 21, or 21 VEC, uh, Miloman, and Turisti. Uh, four different spiels, four different Balkan bands. Then uh, from Brighton of Emperor's Ice Cream, oh, and Ned Colette, your buddy, Fred. Yeah. He's going to be on the show Thursday. And then finally, Fool Vols. Uh, yeah. Fool Vols. Frederick Kimbu. Uh, what, what, what's a Fool Vols? Sorry for being stupid. Well, that's actually, the title is in Swedish, so that's like uh, ugly walls, it means. So Fool is in Swedish ugly, because it was a, well, the inspiration was was a person that was a collaboration work, um, and uh, this person was not very nice. No one really got on with this person, and the whole thing kind of fell through. Mm. And that was my little... Uh, what I got out of that experience. Right, the tombstone. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> the ugly wall. <laughs> so ugly walls. Yeah, I thought the it was... ugly wall. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the uh, composition for this album. Because it's you exploring the harmonium, so as you uh, found out more things about it, this led to, like, the tunage... Or did some stuff come on the lap? Because I know lap steel is your first thing. Did any of the tunes come yeah. from there? Yeah, there's a couple. It's one called the uh, Krumelanke, which is named after a lake here in Berlin, and it's one called Ho Hum. They are very much sort of Weissenborn. I have this baritone Weissenborn acoustic lap steel, and they were very much based around that, and the organ had like a secondary part. But then. Uh, a lot of it was kind of blended together, I would say, uh, and often coming from like doing some sort of droney stuff on the harmonium and uh, adding things, and uh, and that song we just heard, heard that was that was maybe quite clearly written on the harmonium in the sort of waltz yeah. thing, and the and the lap still, yeah, comes on top, yeah. What about? So it was a bit, yeah, a bit of both, I would say. What about recording? Where did you record it, Fred? I recorded it all here in my home studio, actually. Um, and then uh, see that's amazing of, man I mean it sounds yeah. so fucking good and that's what we can do these oh, days oh thanks man right in the pad okay so they're in Berlin and how long do you think it took yeah I started in July last year and it was finished in March so it was like eight months writing and recording and uh, so that I think for, by my standards that was pretty pretty fast uh, <laughs> okay. but I like I said I did sort of really one song at the time because I've done it in the past that I have a whole project going and you know, have so many things in your head. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. have strings on that and trumpet on that. Yeah, and you never stop thinking. It's always there. So yeah. I sort of learned a lesson from that and did okay, one song and that's finished. I could, if I wanted to, not think about the album for three days and then start the next one. So yeah, maybe get of, out of the assembly yeah. line kind of thing, and then each uh, yeah, exactly. song becomes its own little world. Yeah, exactly, that, and I think it gets a bit more the attention it deserves, and then when you feel it's finished, then you move on to the to the next one. That's yeah, right. That's the Instead of uh, yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of ways to do an album, but that, that's interesting yeah. way to do it. And, and and then by doing it in your own pad, it's not like you had to, you know, rent out a studio and cram everything in a week or something. Exactly, yeah. I could really do things. You know, I mean, I had a neighbor problem once <laughs> and that was actually when recording this film was the one you just played yeah. um i did i did one take on the organ and it's you know it's pretty loud i would say but the neighbors are normally cool but then someone downstairs put on metallica's black album on full blast <laughs> <laughs> and uh so you know so the letterbox uh, things uh, like the slots in the door and the whole building was rattling 
<laughs> so that was the neighbor's approach, saying, shut the fuck up. Yeah, in the old days, what they would and, do uh, here was uh, they'd get a broom and like, boom, 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 with the overhead. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, the same guy here has also been whacking the heating pipes at times, you know. But normally it's been actually working quite well. Uh, so I, I can't, uh, you know, complain too much about the neighbors. But, but then, of course, the thing was my philosophy is a little bit... It's nice to be able to record in your own space and time, but then Absolutely. get someone to mix it, someone yeah. else to mix it and someone else to master it. So it sort of goes through other people's ears and, and uh, what yeah, they Yeah, different perspectives. Because yeah. I guess you can get lost inside in, yourself. In, yeah, you can't. Yeah, bad. Yeah. Yeah, so to you, when you get done, another <laughs> mixer, another master, another set of ears, we say, huh? Yeah, exactly. So, so you sort of filter through. And uh, the guy who mixes is, is called uh, Joe Talia. He also. Mixed and co-produced the Ned Collette stuff, ah. and he's great. And he's in he's in Tokyo actually. He's from Melbourne, but in Tokyo. Okay. And uh, so he's and that was also quite cool because then the time difference. You know, he would have done a mix, and I wake up and I see ah oh, some new mixes from Joe, and that was nice to work with him. Um, and then uh, another guy mastered it, so I, I, I like that to sort of. Well, how'd you meet him? Collaborating? Oh yeah, there was a it was through through Ned Collette then. Okay. Because I've been playing bass with Ned Collette and his European band here for since oh, I came to Berlin basically. Ned is Australian uh, yeah exactly and he and Joe who did a mixing for my album now and, and Ned's albums uh, mm -hmm. they've been working together for ages and uh, you know I've, Ned has also done this approach I mean you will talk to him next week I believe but uh, so I can tell his own story but uh, I trust him because the work he's done with him basically and, and I'm with him too he's a great drummer too so yeah, I just felt a natural approach to ask him. He did a, the second Kimbo McKester album too, and he did a great mix for that. So, uh, yeah. And who mastered? Uh, highly recommended mixer, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Much respect. And who mastered? Uh, the mastering was uh, it was actually it was a guy in Australia. It was also uh, funny because I always seem to go for different mastering. It's like uh, even if I like things, I seem to be curious. And I thought since I recorded here. Uh, I l like to sort of have tape involved at some stage. And um, another Australian friend, um, he ha has a band called Augie March in Australia, and they had done a new record that they recorded with a producer called um, um, Tony Cohen, who, who unfortunately passed away last year. But it sounded really great, that album. There was, of course, a recorded tape and everything. But And then I just looked who mastered it, and I found this guy called Joe Cara at Crystal Mastering in, in Melbourne in Australia. Yeah. And I just uh, sent him an email, and his quote was sort of worked with my budget, and he has a tape machine, and that was sort of, you know, and yeah, I'm really happy with his, his work too. So yeah, he did a good job. You yeah. know, we lost two other Australian musicians, uh, Spencer P. Jones, and uh, who's the bass man? Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, for the Beast of Bourbon, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Conway Savage. Yeah, that too, from uh, Nick Caves. Look, we're at the end of uh, yeah, yeah. the first hour, November 11, 2018. This is Wafer Pedro show. Special guest, Fred Kimball. Hang time for hour two. November 11, 2018. It's the second hour. for Pedro show.
your lot And if someone's not up on your hill It must mean that they have not Enough driver, enough skill You had everything Everything money can buy What will make your senses sing What will make you try Throw shit on those below Deal them another blow As they are running round Killing their own kin Why do you think your wife Chose to be in your life Was it all your greenish walks Or your sagging double chin The beauty from within Those greedy stone-cold eyes
the world. I saw my new canvas.
Those who can supply material for your ladder to the sky. Stalk them quietly while pretending that you just happened to walk by. Whisper in their ears the words they like to hear while keeping your cool. And steer them to get near them and their precious tools. She is queen, and so she has position and a favor people seek. Can't hear what they think, only what they speak. Their lips make pretty shapes, but what escapes them when she's there is not the truth. Eyes on her throne, pleasing skills they own, as reliable as youth. Oh, 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 oh. Freaks come out in force to see him sway and hear him sing. Doesn't matter if he does it well or not, to them he is the king. Rather than admit, he sometimes fails. All the choir boys proclaim. Latest is it on the guest list, and at his table they remain. Oh, 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 oh. For Pedro Show. Start the second hour off with uh, The Wealthy Toad from Frederick Kimball. What uh, can you tell us about The Wealthy Toad? 
Well, the wealth told us kind of um, a thought of the policy makers in this world who quite often are old white men with lots of money. And uh, and I also always wonder why they make so many uh, decisions that seem to just be stupid for everyone, like uh, selling off something and dumping waste in a natural heritage place or something like that. And, and I just thought when you have money, when you have everything, do you need to do something that fucks things up for other people just to to have something happening in your life? There's a little bit thoughts of that. And there's a line in there as well. This, uh, why do you think your wife chose to be in your life? And yeah. that I think they often have uh, younger, beautiful women uh, by their sides. Yeah. Just a coincidence. <laughs> so there was a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we had Roosterhead doing graffiti finger. David Gerard with Improbable Entropy. And finally, because I thought this one kind of went with uh, the wealthy toad, Pond Queen King, Frederick Kimball. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, you got your king and your queen and then us, the pawns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, because uh, I find it uh, interesting, the, the lyrics and stuff, because... It seems uh, the, the first impetus for this album was, yeah, investigating the harmonium. But uh, you have an interesting way of... I think it's because you're multilingual, too. You have a good way of uh, uh, making uh, this kind of serious things uh, very musical. You know... Uh, oh, thank you. Uh, I mean... I call poetry anything that ain't prose, you know? So even lyrics, you know? So... Congrats on that, really. Thank you. you uh, <laughs> Thanks. Had a good, a good success. You, you ever think about singing in Swedish? Um, I have done sometimes in the past. It's like uh, when I was really young, I did that in a way because I, then I still lived in Sweden, ah. and I thought it's you know because English is kind of the language of international music and stuff. Sure. But I always think it's a little bit funny when you live your life in Swedish and you sing a song in English and then like Swedish artists also in Sweden talking in English between uh, Swedish between the songs and then they sing in English and then back to Swedish. So I felt like, oh, I'm a Sweden, I should sing in Swedish. But then I lived, I lived abroad now for 19 years. Yeah, so I, yeah. I sort of think in English, I dream in English. So I, I sort of feel qualified to use it. No, I don't know. Uh, it feels natural to me. But I've, I sometimes... There was one, the first time I did like a lap steel album, which is like back in 2009, there was one song that has felt very Swedish and I, then I sang it in Swedish too. Okay. And uh, that, and I played that in many countries live and in a set with, where the rest of the songs are English, it seems to work fine. People kind of think it's exotic or something. And, no, and well, for example, matter. for example, yeah. uh, this stuff out of Korea, K-pop, these guys are singing mm. Hangul. I mean, they'll bring in a word like baby or something like this, but like 90... Perceive it's Hangul, their their language, and it's very successful. Maybe it's the dancing that goes with it. <laughs> <laughs> the guy liner. <laughs> but I always th I thought that was pretty trippy, because yeah, the main thing to do it, uh, lingua franca, right? Uh, common spiel, and it also makes it a lot easier for all your friends in Australia to know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> but. This phenomenon of K-pop, uh, for example, I don't know how big over there in Germany, but in the U.S., we actually had one of these bands, BTS, go to number one on the Billboard chart. And, you know, 
most of it's Hangul. You know, there's some baby and rock and stuff like that, but mainly they're singing. Uh, yeah, that's that's a trippy thing about that. Here, I, I want to play uh, the the tune you were talking about uh, that came uh, via the lap steel first is Krumalanka. It's a mm-hmm. it's a lake there in Berlin, right? Yeah.
Thank you.
All my sweat and dreams and toil Vanished with me somehow Down in the Minnesota soil I rest for 90 years now From Pedro Show, yeah, that was uh, Krumalanka, Fred Kimbo. Then we had uh, Yokozuna with Join the Club, Oro Taichi with Future Lina, Devin Flynn with Count Rockula. That'd be the worst title ever, but it's good music. <laughs> Devin, but don't call it Count Rockula. <laughs> and then finally, Fred Kimbo with uh, Sweet Hollow. Because off the air, people, we were talking about. Things like ABBA, and so I was wondering about the Sweet Hollow. Yeah, that's quite. It was the last uh, lyric I wrote for the album, and it was, it was a book by a Swedish author, author called. Uh, he wrote a book called Sweet Hollow, and Sweet Hollow is actually a valley, valley in St. Paul, Minnesota. Ah, yeah, but which, we got a lot uh, of uh, we got a lot yeah, of people Swedish with immigrants, basically. Yeah, right. A lot of people yeah, with Swedish, Swedish roots live uh, up there. Uh, the, 
And it was probably the Sorry, people... Sorry, cutting out there a bit, Mike. Yeah, that's the way Skype is. You can't really talk at the same time. What yeah. I was trying to say was Minnesota's <laughs> got a lot of people with Swedish roots, but the people that ain't Swedish probably called where they lived <laughs> the Swede Hollow. Yeah. Yeah, and they actually ended up, because nowadays in Sweden, when you people associate Sweden with, like, uh, everything is nice and environmental friendly and blah, 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 and ABBA and IKEA, um, but back then, the Swedes who arrived there in the urban slums, they were not, uh, they were treated, they had lot, were met with lots of prejudice from other European settlers. And Absolutely. It was like, I read an article, of a German guy writing home and saying, oh, we're only three white people in this work team in the forest, the rest are Swedish. <laughs> you know, and they said the Swedes were, were dumb and smelly and they couldn't speak proper English. And so they basically landed at the bottom and they lived in this valley called Sweet Hollow. And it's a very interesting book. And I just thought also now when immigrants are coming from other places and to Sweden and uh, to just think that Swedish people have also been in this situation not that long ago. It yeah. was like 110, 120 years ago. So, well, here in yeah, San Pedro, sort of, and, you know, I'm sorry. In San Pedro, in the old days, a lot of the sailors were Scandinavian. A lot of the, those were Swedes. Uh, huge. And uh, so we mm -hmm. we even have a, a, a Svergi house, uh, you know, from the old... I think it's a halfway house now for people trying to get clean. Oh, yeah. But in the old days, a lot of the the sailors... So we, we had some, too. And I know... Yeah, isn't that weird how you forget the lessons that your ancestors <laughs> somehow didn't get down to you that, you know, we share a lot of these experiences and you should we should, like, make progress on it instead of rerun after rerun of the same sick behavior, maybe. Exactly, yeah, that you can have empathy and think, like, this, the new, the person arriving in this country could be me arriving in another country, you know, it's like... Uh, Especially since, uh, like in the U.S., I mean, most people have, I mean, everyone almost has an immigrant background of some sort. And uh, Swedish people emigrating because of bad times in Sweden, you know, we need to not forget these things. Right. Do you, uh, do you know of a guy named Joe Hill? Yeah. He lived two years in Pedro. He came up with this thing called the Little Red Songbook. Oh. And yeah, yeah. He's a big part of the labor thing about 100 years ago. He got... Killed mm -hmm. by the state of Utah for some trick, weird kind of murder drama. So, but uh, yeah, he, Joe Hill, and uh, him and his brother, you know, very instrumental. There, there's a part of Sweden in Pedro, is what I'm trying to tell you. So we might be a little more connected, Fred, than you think. <laughs> yeah, which is a righteous thing. What about? And then also, I was thinking of Hollow, the the famous Hollow here. Uh, as far as literature, is probably The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, right? Ichabod Crane and the Jack-O-Lantern, Headless Horseman. Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't know, actually, what... Because I think the Swedish people there, they call it Svenska Dalen, which means the Swedish Valley. Okay. And then uh, maybe locals with better English call it Sweet Hollow. I don't know. I was also, when I saw the title for it, I said, what's Sweet Hollow, you know? But then I read the book and did some research about it and then yeah it's so kind of a, sure where the name it's yeah. kind of a northeast word for like a, a slight valley a hollow a hollow's more yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah and uh, but uh, 
even when you hear uh, somebody in Minnesota whose people have been there a while, it's Minnesota. And when I, at first I used to think, yeah. oh, that's because they're close to Canada. But no way, it's, it's actually close to the Swedish kind of accent. Minnesota. Yeah, wasn't it that film, the, the, the Coen Brothers film Fargo. years ago called Fargo? Right, which is North say, Dakota, saying, but it's yeah, right next door. Saying, yeah. Right, right, they do, they say. Yeah, and that's right next door. Uh, where that yeah, yeah. Is. In fact, it's right on the border. Uh, we're at the end of the second hour, November 11th, 2018. November 11th, the 11th hour of the 11th year. No, 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month is World War One ended, right? It's the 100th anniversary. Oh, yeah. That's a good thing. Anyway, uh, with Frank Kimbo, special guest, hold tight for hour three. November 11, 2018, it's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show. Bridges. Who are you to judge? 
judge and tell Me they're only in my head They are quite real, I tell you Like your debt and your desert Each night as I lie in bed With all the great explorers Nothing aches and nothing hurts I am immortal, I am strong And you are under my command But a digit in a chip And this land is my land
Fate has a way of arriving Like an unexpected call Your God has a plan for you, my dear You found him as you recall When you wished for a crystal fruit bowl For Christmas all those years ago No one knew when You told no one Your brother comes, lo and behold He gives you a crystal fruit bowl his wife's vision in the morn Led you to a life of prayer In your world God looks after all
Watch from Pedro Show. Yeah, I never heard so many Connecticut uh, jokes until I spent a little time in Western Massachusetts. <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, yeah, we started with the third hour off with Monuments and Bridges from uh, Fred Kimball. Uh, tell us something about this tune here, Fred. Yeah, that was um, Harmonium Number 2, the one from the 1920s that I found here when the first one was broken. Uh, and I just came up with this droney thing. You know, it's quite monotonous. And then <laughs> I added some uh, e-bowed lap steel on it to, uh-huh. to make it even more droney. Yep. And um, it felt like a good sort of, it's the first track on the album, and it felt like a little bit of a statement of intent or something about the album and the, the lyrical theme to, um, yeah. A statement. And it was one of the last ones that I recorded. Yeah. I thought ah, it was, it was one of the last ones, but it ended up being the first record. one. Okay. Uh, very interesting. Then we heard a recording of meeting number two, Emophone Sawako with Kaizuya Atsumoto, and then Crystal Fruit Bowl, Frederick Kimball, which is trippy because a couple days ago was Crystal Knock, like 80 year birthday or whatever. I don't know, anniversary. Yeah, which was also incidentally the release day of my album. Yeah, which right. I thought about it was all sorts of. But this has nothing to do it with that. It was like the Crystal Night. No, uh, so that was eight years ago. It was 100 years since there was like a revolution here in Berlin. And it was 29 years, I think, since the, they first opened the borders between West and East right. uh, Berlin. Okay. And that was all on this date, which I had not, even though like I'm a bit of a history geek, I hadn't thought of that at all when the release date for the album was, was oh, set. Oh, wow. Just coincidence. But that song is actually a silly, true story about... Uh, Someone who found God through wishing for a, a crystal fruit bowl for Christmas, but not telling anyone, and she received it, and therefore she thought it must have been God. Okay. So uh, I thought that story was quite funny, and just that was, yeah, that was the song. So not not sinister. So so you, what you like to do, <coughs> as far as your composition is, you, you capture a moment, and that seems to be fertile. So you can, like, yeah, yank a tune out of it. Yeah, and it's quite funny as well, because I just talked to a friend about this the other day. I think when I, when you're in the process of writing something, like making an album, and as I did, sort of writing it as I went along, then it seems you're very in a creative mood and, and uh, capture the little ideas very carefully. But then sort of I finished the album and mixing it, and the last few months have been a lot of the sort of admin stuff of getting it released and, and everything and then you sort of maybe switch that off a little bit. So now I'm actually looking forward to switching that on again and starting writing more things again because the last few months have mainly been sort of organizational things about the album. So, Right, right. Yeah, but that's yeah. But that was a good time to just have a, this kind of open mind while working on writing and recording. And, uh, okay. Yeah, well, and I think they're quite spontaneous, all the, all the compositions. It was not like they were quite easy to write most of them, you know. What, what about this next one here, yeah. Ho, Ho-Hum? Yeah, that was a, also, that's like I said before, that's really much a Weissenborn lap steel song that I came up with. And then the song, I guess, is a little bit about <clears throat> life choices. You know, one person is an artist, sometimes struggling a little bit with the, with the financial stuff and thing. And then you can see, look at the other person who's, eating nice dinner in a nice restaurant, but who works in advertising, and you think, what choice did I make? And then maybe, yeah. 
<laughs> but but to be happy about the choice in the end, I think that's the it has it's a, it has a happy ending. I think. <laughs> okay, let's listen.
You are not jaded, that is what they say But you feel it when they look the other way You see an empty cup But it is a good cup Don't you think?
that caught my ear and imagination as a boy. Oh boy, I thought that space is a hole in time where all can flow. People come and go through that hole. Back and forth as they please.
Waffle Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Uh, Frederick Kimball doing Ho Hum, the contrast between uh, life choices. Then Wakine gathering punks. I'm actually in the, this uh, live performance here. Mm. Yeah. Well, it was in a studio, but there was like 30 dudes. <laughs> yeah. It was huge. It was maybe seven years ago. And uh, a big jam. And, uh, really good people. I'm glad I've got that kind of document from that experience. And then finally, the cinema behind the bakery. And people, Fred hit me to the fact that this is actually where Holger lived. This um, movie theater. And where yeah, exactly. Hol- the bass player from Cannes. Yeah, I, yeah. I was writing this song on, and recording it. There was very much a recording and writing at the same time. And then I just saw the news that he had died. And I thought of this song in particular of theirs called Tango Whiskey Man. Yeah, sure. That is like one of my favorite recordings ever. And it has these big gaps in it, like these stops that yeah. are so beautiful. And I just thought how this music recorded can transport you somewhere still, you know, many, many years after it was recorded. So there, that was the end. The wow. title came from that and, and some of the lyric too. Yeah, it's trippy. Uh, uh, musicians influence influence each other even when when they're gone or they're going. You didn't yeah, that's know. kind of what I thought about how someone's recordings left behind, who's a very personal thing left behind, can inspire people who have never met them, and uh, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, Fred, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, my website is frederickkinbom k i n b o m dot com, and the album is out on. So Tones Records is a UK label from Southampton, and uh, you can buy the vinyl on band, my Bandcamp. So if you search for Songs for Lap Steel and Harmonium, it's the name of the album, and it's everywhere on the digital places, okay. of course, as well. People, let me spell the URL so you can get there: f r e d r i k k i n b o m dot com. Go there That's right. find out about Fred. Are you going to tour? Yeah, first starting off with here in Berlin with an album launch gig on the 29th of November at a place called, uh, in German, Rotbart. Rotbart. So if anyone is in Berlin, come to that. And then uh, there are some dates shaping up now for next year. We have, I think, 21st of February in Eindhoven in the Netherlands. I'm going to build something around there. And then in some UK dates, uh, maybe Netherlands and Belgium too, sort of shaping up, but not really confirmed. But it will be on the website when they materialize when they're confirmed no plans for over here i would love to um but uh, not uh, in the immediate future but uh, it would be great you know and then i would probably try to source a harmonium locally i don't think i would travel over with one <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it's like pizza trying to get that fucking hammond on an airplane <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is great because that that uh, portable one it was made in vermont you know so i think there are quite a few of them around in, in the u.s so yeah yeah, yeah. There are. it would there be are. great i would love to come over so, and, and uh, i got to ask you about the future. Are you already thinking of the next record? Um, well, it was actually quite nice to, to not think of record for a while. Uh, but um, I was just on a tour uh, playing bass, actually, wow. with uh, Ned Collette, uh, Australian guy, with also right. Joe Talia, I mentioned, the, the mi- mixer man on right. drums, and Chris Abrahams from The Necks on oh. piano, and he's fantastic. That's great. Um, so that that was great. So that was like another adventure out there playing someone else's music. And um, but I think now just touring these songs, touring the Kimbo McKesner stuff, and then uh, when the time feels right for, but starting to write stuff. But I'll probably wait a little while 
before That's I okay. sit down and record. You know what Orson Welles said in his last uh, commercial, right? No wine before it's time. It's been a real honor to have you on again, Fred. When you no, do get this, the, the honor is all mine, Mike. Thank okay. you so much for right having me again. Then. And when you come out, when it's ready to make another one, let's talk again and talk about that. Okay? Yes. And I wish you good, good luck, luck on these gigs. Okay. Cheers, man. And rock that harmonium. <laughs> yes. <laughs> November eleventh, two thousand eighteen edition. Watch for Pedro Show special guest Fred Kimball. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>